Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. We have seen an 85% decline in the wild lions in the last 21 years. The greatest predator of the lion is the human being. Well done, young man. This is a once-in-a-lifetime trophy. I was born in South Africa. And even though we left when I was young, Africa has always felt like home. It came to my attention. Lions were facing extinction. The biggest problem are the lion trophy hunters. But to understand trophy hunters, I needed unfiltered access to their world. And that's when I had a crazy idea. I would go undercover as a big game hunting photographer. I started to read a new identity. I've guided lion hunts professionally. This is my 17th year. Blacks are animals. How could you tell me they are humans? Why are you shooting a lion? Is it that difficult for you to get an erection? I was genuinely starting to worry about what I got myself into. The hunting industry in America has thousands of obscenely wealthy people. We have the best lion deal. Oh my god, there's a whole price list. It's not a fair fine. Take the shot. That was awesome. The lion had no chance, didn't even roar. This wasn't a chase. This was an execution. <laughs> Our choices are going to affect the future. This lion is 64,000. Do we accept such an abomination or do we say no? If we cannot save the most renowned animal on the planet, what hope does any animal have? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 388. Releasing November 24 in Australian cinemas is Lion Spy, a documentary that follows filmmaker Rogue Ruben as she goes undercover and infiltrates the world of big game hunting in Africa as part of an investigation into the plight of wild lions who are facing the very real threat of extinction. Presented with passion and a quest for the truth, Lion Spy proves to be an intimate and troubling expose that will anger and illuminate in equal measure. And joining me now is the director and writer of Lion Spy. It is Rogue Ruben herself. Rogue, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Matthew. I must say when you did the intro, you said that's episode 388? Yes, Wow, you've watched a lot of films. Oh, and, and I used to do like um, interviews without podcasting, like for like good five, six years before that. So a lot of transcribing interviews as well. So I think I'm probably more close to a thousand actually. To true. So, oh my gosh! Yes, wow. <laughs> I know. Talk to a lot of people. I haven't seen the movie 
like this before, though, and it's really interesting that, um, you know, the numbers are kind of staggering that is featured mm-hmm. in a documentary and, and, and you read everywhere else. So in the 70s, it was estimated mm-hmm. 200,000 wild lions in, in, in Africa. Now we're talking about 20,000. I mean, that's a, a staggering uh, number right there. Um, you know, not many people will know about this. I didn't. And from what I read, you yourself, even though um, you are were born in, in Africa as well, and of course you have family mm-hmm. over there and, and such, this was mm-hmm. a fact that wasn't that you didn't know of either. Is that correct? Yes, it's why I started the film because um, I saw a post on Instagram that said lions were endangered and I had this belief that lions were running throughout Africa happily and that, you know, the Lion King was real Mm. and that no concern. I was aware that elephants were facing extinction with 50,000 in the wild, that rhino was on the verge of extinction with 30,000 in the wild. And those were my causes. Um, And I had no idea that the lion was on the verge of imminent extinction. And to put it, you know, into even more perspective for Australians is how many people can go to a footy match? Like it's about the same probably more people can go to a footy match than lions exist in the world. Yeah. Um, it is a very good point that you put there. And you kind of spurned into action to make this film. And, you know, mm. you have such a vast amount of experience behind you, done all t- types of filmmaking, all types of, of work. You know, there's mm. different ways you can approach this as a filmmaker. You do the same old kind of talking heads, talking about, you know, what that stuff and put it all together in an enemy bay. You wanted to get real up close and personal. Um, you wanted to be part of this world. You wanted to get to the ground and see what's going on. Um, how is it that it came to be that you wanted to kind of infiltrate this world of big game hunting? Um, was that kind of like a decision where it's like, look, well, I'm looking at all the facts here and this is something that people aren't really talking about and it's something that you wanted to really just get to the gritty of and wanted to get in close and personal as you could? Well, I think firstly, um, you mentioned you haven't seen a film like this, so I'm super grateful you said that. Um, thank you because you've watched, as you said, thousands now. Um, and I've been asked that question before and I've said to the best of my knowledge, there isn't one like this. Um, to answer specifically your question that I have been I have been obviously influenced by the filmmakers I've uh, had the pleasure of working with and the films that I've enjoyed the documentaries I've enjoyed and watched myself. And there's a number of ways to approach uh, documentaries, to approach unscripted. And it definitely wasn't a conscious decision to insert myself into the drama at all. That came much later, halfway through, you know, I was, I was deep embedded in, in what I was doing when I realized that I was part of the story. Hmm. And it was simply, I actually went to Africa to, film conservationists and understand the plight of the lion. And I wanted to bring light to them and their, and and the work they were doing. I was so impressed by them and so grateful that they had brought this to my attention. And what I discovered in the process was that I didn't know who to believe and who to trust. And that a lot of the people claiming to be conservationists were in fact themselves um, con artists or involved in, in the, in part of it being that, you know, uh, you breed, they say that they were breeding lions to put them back into the wild, but in fact they were breeding them and selling them to trophy hunters. You also can't, you also can't breed a lion in captivity and then put it in the wild for 
more reasons than you have time for on this um, on the show. Uh, just and that's based on the cycle of lions and and the species and and populations and everything else. Um, so it became this quest of simply a quest for knowledge and how do I get that knowledge and why it wasn't a talking heads. Well, maybe, maybe it would have been, maybe had I, you know, found the conservationists of my dreams, it would have been a talking heads. Um, So it's, it's a process that just took place very organically. What's something you had to do to really get down to the the nitty gritty of the the ascent and investigate what was happening with the plight of alliances. You had to essentially create a different persona. You had to create a new identity for yourself because I think I I read somewhere um, you you wrote that, you know, no one wants to take a five-foot-two vegetarian girl from uh, Australia on a hunt, you know, just not going to pass mustard, not going to trust you. You need to get in league with them. Um, when you create, when you make that decision, kind of create our persona as a big game photographer, big game hunter photographer, excuse me, is there kind of legal loopholes do you have to go to? Is you have to cross T's and dot I's and make sure there's no like legal ramifications in regards to you taking on a new persona and then going out and meeting people and kind of like sharing time with them? Or is it just a matter of creating an online presence and then that's enough for you to, to get out there and win their trust? Well, I think, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of, those lines are a little interesting. It's more a case of, you know, I'm still five foot two. I can't change that. Um, I can't change so much about myself. Um, it was more that what I can, what I can attest to is being, open-minded to people who have a different education and different beliefs and different upbringings to myself. So while the alias is something that's, I think, partly used as a tool, um, I I see it as a a lot more genuine uh, than that. And that it wasn't, you know, you, I, I think I skirted, not skirted. I think I revolved around the truth as much as possible. Um, I simply didn't, want to, I guess, use, um, use my, it was easier to not use my name. It was easier to, um, be more prolifically, um, excited about their tactics and their beliefs and the rest. And there's, and there's moments where I would tell you, I don't think, I don't think any, at any point that you're watching me, am I being disingenuous? I think Mm. you're just seeing, you're just seeing me, you know, And, and I was, I was me with them. There was nothing, I was me. I, I didn't, I, I didn't offer a lot of answers, but I asked a lot of questions. I never not asked questions. Um, I, I said that I was there to film and photograph the hunt. Well, that's what I was there to do. So the, if you want to, if you want to, you know, I think there's leaps made there. So you can, you want to legally make those leaps, go ahead. <laughs> well, to me, it's really interesting because you have to take on a, a, in some ways, you're take on percentage. Like, for example, you said you're a, you're a vegetarian, but when you're mm-hmm. hanging out with these big game hunters, and there's a you know you have a scene where one of the um the chef is on screen, he's talking about how he makes some um, zebra lasagna and stuff like that. Mm. Do you have yeah. to partake in meals with them? I mean, do you have to kind of go against that part of who you are in your real life to to show that your persona is up to snuff when you around these um, hunters? No, because what I also uh, told them was that I am Jewish, which is true. Ah. And 
and I don't eat unkosher meat, which is true. I happen to not eat any meat, but I won't eat unkosher meat either. Um, and they were very um, respectful of my religious beliefs. So that is how I got around eating zebra lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> it's so very interesting because I imagine that when you are around other people from different lifestyle that have different kind mm-hmm. of um, beliefs or sort of different ideology, especially something that you're so passionate with you, um, mm-hmm. that you have to um, just once in a while get on their level to make sure that they have your trust in you know the, the hunter that you were you were mostly uh, uh, with during this time is this guy named well, Rick Pieta. Um, well. That's sorry. Let's just, that's the hunter that you're seeing most on screen. That's not right. necessarily the hunter that I, I did this for a number of years. Six, seven so, years, is that correct? Yeah. So that wasn't, that is the hunter that, you know, we're focused on in a 70, you know, a 77 a minute documentary. But um, that isn't necessarily the hunter I spent the most time, amount of time with. Right. Okay. But when you were there the first time in, in uh-huh. South Africa on the first uh-huh. day, What's yeah. going through your mind? Are you thinking to yourself, how the hell did I get into this situation? I mean, it seemed to happen. Did it happen like really quickly? Or, like all of No, kind of- it, it didn't happen quickly. And um, there was a process of figuring, you know, trying to figure out how do I go on this hunt? How do I do this? Why will they let me come? Okay. Um, I was like, I'm a great photographer. I'm a great videographer. I will offer them those hunts, which is which is the alias you're referring to um, as an intern. Once again, um, to me, I did all those things. Um, now, was I afraid? Absolutely. When I sat at the airport waiting to be picked up on that first hunt, I thought to myself that I'd lost my goddamn mind. I was an idiot and that I should just run. Mm. Um, and that same feeling, uh, lasted that, you know, that whole day, um, that is, that is in the film too, that I was like, you know, propping things up against the doors, wondering like what my escape plans were. I always thought about my escape plans. Um, but I'm sure they were stupid because I don't think I could have pulled any of them off. Um, meaning that I was always in places I couldn't pronounce very far away from, from society. So how in heaven's name I thought I was going to get out of there, I don't know. But at least, you know, some form of belief kept me going. And so, yes, there was, there was, there's always a fear. I mean, I think anytime you do something with people that you don't know and you would be, you would be stupid not to be fearful. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. 
enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. When it came to the work that you were doing as the, the trophy hunter, you unexpectedly became skilled in what they call the trophy photo. Um, mm. When you first had to come about and you had to you had to take part of that, you had to take the photos of the hunters with their kill. I mean, yeah. what is the art of the trophy photo? Because what I remember from the documentary, there's a certain kind of hierarchy of where people stand, um, what type of poses they have to do. The animal itself has to be clean. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. It's a great question, and not many people uh, ask that, and it's and it's one I find super fascinating. Um, yeah. And research on it. There's a Professor Dr. Linda Kaloff, who's written papers on it, uh, on the art of the of the trophy photo, and I've spoken with her about it as well. And so, but once again, that's something that I learned about during that process because I went out there and I was like, I can take a photo, no problem, and I took an awful, an awful hunting photo, not their version of what was a good photo, because to me, what a good photo is and their version are not the same thing. And I learned that you have to get as low to the ground as possible um, because you have to create as much of a hero looking picture and meaning for people who are not really into photography, like you are creating the sense that a person is more grander and larger than they are. And you can create that by a lower, by a lower angle. Then the other very fascinating part is, as you mentioned, that they want to portray the animal as no blood, as healthy, as as actually almost alive, mm. not almost technically alive. And you wonder, well, it's dead. So why are we making it look alive? So they really clean it so you don't see the blood, so you don't see the pain, so you don't see where the bullet went in. And to this day, I can say I find that very fascinating. They don't want to show any of the horror associated with that kill they just want to show this beautiful animal dead uh, in all its glory and that they were, you know, the 1900s man who went out there um, or woman and took it down. When you talk to the different hunters, I'm, I'm talking specifically about the, the game hunters and not so much the, the tourist, tourist hunters themselves. It seems to me that hunting to them is lifestyle. It's almost kind of like, um, family, cultural, traditional kind of norms. Is that something you, you took from as well? Is this something that's passed on from generations to generations? Certainly that is, um, that was what was conveyed. And uh, I wouldn't, I, I want to, I'm always careful on on these questions because I think that they're, they're best for sociologists to answer. But it, my feeling is that, yes, that they're a part of their, uh, and we are, the film only deals with trophy hunters. It does not deal with um, hunters in general. Mm. It only, deals with big game hunters and it is about yeah I think it is a generate I, I don't think it's just a generational thing because as you see there's there's my first hunters that I'm with um haven't really done this before so that's not generational um but there is for the most part I think it's generational and it's inbred and it's but it's also educated that it's that it is a conservation initiative that they're taking part in so it's a complex issue that those of us who are not 
a part of that group, I think, find difficult to maybe comprehend. But they absolutely 100% believe that they're doing good. There's no belief that they're doing something bad or unethical or cruel or any of those things. Um, now, on a personal level, do I like killing any animal? I'm a vegetarian. I don't like to see anything dead. Um, but if you said to me, if I kill one animal, I will save every animal on the face of the earth. Well, that's a, that's a different question. Mm. And in some ways, that's their belief. I want to talk about the lion the lion itself as a species. Um, mm. We view the lion as the ultimate apex predator, the king of the jungle. Um, yes. In many ways, though, it has been almost wiped off the face of the planet through the actions of us as a human race. Um, mm-hmm. You have you were up close with captive bread lions. There was a scene at the start of the film, rather almost yep. kind of almost a humorous kind of scene where one got a little bit too uh, comfortable with you. Um, mm. uh, when you're out there. In amongst the hunt, and you're and you're with people that are tracking down these lions that just want to be left alone. What's your impressions of the lion as a species that maybe you didn't have before um, before taking on this this project? That's a beautiful question. Uh, certainly, I learned so much about the lion as a species. I learned um, I didn't know they were nocturnal. I didn't know that uh, if you look at a lion's tail. It has that fluff at the end, so it's kind mm. of like, and then it's got the fluff. Um, and when they hunt, um, they hunt in packs, and they use their tails to direct each other of where they're going. They're kind of used to point, so they're 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 absolute kings of of sleuth and and intelligence in the way that they operate as a pride, and they are a you know one of the few social cats to be, as you said, uh, captive, to, to be around captive bread lines, which is not something that I, which I'm clear about, I no longer endorse once I understood the process, but it is something that I was originally told was conservation and took part in. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's mind blowing it, to be able to walk with, to be able to, and, and let, you know, let's refer to the line as opposed to the cubs, which are just adorable. They're like, you know, they, I shouldn't say they're like little kittens because they're not, they're so strong that they can be quite painful. Yes. But to walk with a lion and to be in its presence. Absolutely. It's a, uh, it is a, incredibly unique amazing opportunity now it's one that you i think are even more affected by when you're in the wild with them and that's even more unique and even more special so i don't i don't encourage people to go take part in those practices go to africa go find lion prides and just being in their presence will change your belief and and give you some form of an understanding as to why they're the most iconic species the thing that stuck with me above everything else after watching your movie was that then the question is just what is conservation when it comes to mm-hmm. to these these subjects in special regards to the, the conservation of lions because different people say they are they do what they do because of for, for conservation purposes like some people say trophy hunts can be can fund conservation there's that there's a there's a saying what is it um um, if it pays, it stays. Yes, exactly. There's that, and then other people saying, like at the uh, in the start of your journey, that you were at these farms where they're breeding lions, and they're saying it was for conservation purposes, and then that didn't turn out to be the truth. At the mm. end of that, what what do you find to be conservation? I mean, 
it's not just enough these days for people to say they're conservationists. Is you really need to do your due diligence and really dig into what who they are, what their purposes are, and then you might find um, what the truth is in regards to conservation and what isn't, depending on what organisation is um, is claiming. So. Absolutely. And that is why the documentary took the turn it did, because I thought I was going to do documentary on conservationists and discovered that there's this prolific con in conservation. So I think that when you, what I would have hoped to have done is um, I do a call to action and on my website, I have put the organizations that I believe in that once again, that's what I believe and you know, people should always do their own research, but they're the organizations that I believe are actually trying to save the lion from extinction. I believe, look, I'm a believer in science. So that's a big part of it. Panthera is very scientifically, um, it's come, you know, it's scientists who run it and who partake in it. And I think it's really well managed. And so is um, the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation that has the Lion Recovery Fund is also doing a terrific job. Actually, Manus Rudbull, who's in the film, uh, I just saw posted that he was uh, working on putting cameras out from money he received from the fund. So you need to, for me, I needed to research what is their ethical and moral beliefs. And they're scientific and above all, they're scientific belief and what is how are they planning on saving the line not just saying it because and 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 I don't ask for you know a lot of as you said a lot of conservationists then say hey can I please have money I'm not asking for money I don't want money from anyone I've said here's my website please go and donate to one of these causes and they will ensure that the lion species um does not become extinct I don't have that that ability that's not my that's not that is not my gift. I don't have enough research as into lions, into conservation, into management to be able to understand. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, but I wouldn't be the one to implement it. So for people, if they can go to lionsbythefilm.com slash take-action, you can actually find all those um, uh, those um, conservations um, um, institutes that um, Rogue was just talking about. You have um, Panthera, Lion Recovery Fund, uh, Born Free, Walking for Lions. They all have their donate, donate Now tabs as well. Um, the headline here, Small Acts Can Save the World. Um, it's a very true thing, isn't it? Just in the small, smallest amount that you can give um, can go a long way into helping uh, the plight of the lion in Africa. And um, I think your movie, Rogue, also goes a long way in, in doing that as well. I just have um, one more question uh, before uh, before I leave you. Yeah. You are you took on this journey and you found yourself mm-hmm. a lot of times on your own with yourself and your camera and you're with you know strange people in a um, in in the experience and taking on a, a, an adventure that you, you never had before. In those mm. not in those nights on your own, um, and, and as you as you process the things you have seen during the day and that I imagine you never thought you would see. What continues to drive you? What continues to spurn you on? Um, even though you had that fear, even though you, the horrors that you saw were stuck in your mind, what was the thing that really wanted to drive you forward um, to, to get up that next day, uh, not implement one of your escape plans and run for wherever you can go um, and to stick it out and to take part of this? Because as you said before, this took six, seven years of your life. And at mm. the end, on the end of this journey, you had to battle your, battle your own, um, uh, your own, yeah, your own struggles to deal with as well. I'd imagine that um, all of it uh, put together uh, would have been uh, something that 
you know, would have pushed you to your very limits, both uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually. So what was it that was really kind of driving you to get up the next day and to continue on uh, with the mission that you had? I think it's, it's exactly that, the belief that we are all custodians of the planet and that we have a moral and an ethical obligation while we're here to do better, to be good, and if my one small act of making a film can let the world know that lions are endangered, then then I've then I've done good. I've been good, and I can I can look myself in the mirror. I don't believe in legacies. I don't believe in what you leave behind. I just believe in who you are today on the planet. And I just that's what drove me was just simply the passion to show people what I was seeing. Because, you know, as a filmmaker, you're showing. That's what we do. Like you you do podcasts. People hear. I show. Mm. So my goal was to show you, to visually show you. And if you come up with the same beliefs, whatever your beliefs may be at the end, at least you're educated. At least you know there's a problem. At least you're willing to, you know, take a stance on either side. And that's the best that I can do. And then I've, then I've done my job and I can look at myself in the mirror. Well, I can say absolutely that you have definitely done good with Lionspire. And for everyone out there listening, November 24 in Australian cinemas, please watch Lionspire. Uh, watch, learn, take part and contribute if you can, because as, as we said before, small acts can save the world. And um, this is a, a beautiful movie. It's an illuminating movie, sometimes frustrating, sometimes horrific, but uh, essential, I think, for people to watch. And Rogue Rubin, I thank you so much for your time today and uh, congratulations with the film. Thank you so much, Matthew. I hope you have a great day. You too.